0: please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daff Differently. This is Rabbi Danny Nevins from the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York, where you may hear uh, subways and sirens going by my window. I apologize, but try to imagine yourself sitting with me here at JTS. There's the train. Okay, we're on Hagiga Daf Dalid Ahmed Aleph, the uh, 4A page. Where we learn from the uh, quoting the Mishnah of a androgynous that the a person who is a tumtum or androgynous, an intersex person, whether they have um, the sexual organs of both male and female or neither male or female, um, they are excluded from the mitzvah of uh, of of appearing with the sacrifice on the festivals because it says kol um, zechurcha. It says you should bring um, every male should come. Atanu Rabbanon, the sages taught zachur lehotsit nashim. when it says all of your males should come, that excludes women, zachurcha, your males, which adds another, it's repeated, lehotsit tum tum androgynous, is excluding male and female, and then it, when the word says, call zachurcha, all of your males, that extra everyone is lirabot, etak tanim, to, um, to also include the, uh, the the minors. So young men were required to come, uh, boys, that is, uh, with their fathers uh, on the pilgrimage. Now You might object, you certainly are welcome to, that how come these rabbis, they have the words zachor, zachorcha, and kol zachorcha, how come they're reading one inclusively, one exclusively, uh, and I get that call. everyone, is meant to be used as an inclusion, and yet why does that include minors and not uh, the androgynous, the intersex? Well, this is the way the rabbis read it. They said that when it says a man, it means a man who's certainly a man, not a woman and not intersex. It's interesting in our day because, of course, uh, issues of transgenderism have become very uh, prominent in our society. It seems like the, the next rights uh, agenda item after gay and lesbian rights uh, is that of people in the intersex community or people who've transitioned from one gender to another, and I think that many of us in the religious community are viewing this with, uh, with a sense of compassion, um, but also sometimes confusion, trying to understand uh, how we, how we can understand gender in our day, what does it mean to transition from one gender to another, What about people who reject the whole gender binary and don't identify either as male or female? Um, You'd think that an ancient tradition like ours would be completely unhelpful in this project, that it would be completely uh, committed to the binary of male and female, and yet we do have these categories of tum-tum and androgynous. They're not necessarily treated as equals, but on the other hand, they're not Excluded entirely, either, and so uh, I'm not going to say more about that now, other than to say that our tradition, in fact, has a lot of references to the uh, nuances of life, um, some of which we're only truly beginning to understand in our day. I do want to say a little bit more, though, about the exclusion of women. Uh, It says uh, uh, Amar Mar Mar, a different teacher, says Zakhur that when it says males, it's there to exclude women. The Hodsiyot Nashim. Uh, why do I need this verse? Uh, in other words, isn't that obvious? Uh, we are men, we go, we rabbis uh, make the rules, uh, why would you even think that women would be included? Uh, maybe this is uh, misogynistic, maybe it's just patriarchal, um, in any event, you've got this question that's being raised here, and, um, and there's a reason, it turns out, why the Mishnah uh, and then the Gemara need to address this issue because there is this idea of mitzvot asesha man grama, of positive time-bound commandments that women are exempted. It says, v'chol mitzvah asesha man grama nashim p'tura. Don't we already know that women are excluded from all positive commandments, which are time-limited? Now, let me explain that a little bit. This is a well-known principle that's said several times in the the, um, in the Bavli, it's also referred to in the early Midrash, in the Michalta. Um, but it's uh, it's been debated in our day as well, about whether it was meant as a descriptive or a prescriptive statement. In other words, is this just like an um, a observation that women were in practice exempted from a lot of uh, commandments which were only done at certain times? Or is it meant to be prescriptive, to say women are intentionally exempted and it's not just an observation of social practice? Uh, a lot rides on that distinction. And uh, in practice, for most of rabbinic history, uh, women have been prescriptively uh, excluded from obligation, from mitzvot such as to uh, tefillin, and even from daily prayer at the prescribed times. And on that basis, women have also been excluded from leadership, uh, from being counted in the minyan and from serving as a shaliach tzibur, um, and also, frankly, from social status, because uh, in Judaism, social status has a lot to do with obligation. The more obligated a person is, um, the more uh, prestigious they are. Just think about a kohen. They've got extra obligations that others don't have, um, and so they've got a, a privileged position. Uh, and so uh, in, in our day, and especially uh, in non-Orthodox circles where uh, a great deal of effort has been made to create a more egalitarian culture, there's been a sense that there's an, a, an agenda item here that uh, we have to re-examine this exclusion of women from obligation, because if they're not obligated, then they are not truly included. And, uh, and just recently, uh, Rabbi Pamela Barmash, a, a conservative rabbi who's a scholar at at George Washington University in in St. Louis and a member of the Committee on Jewish Law and Standards wrote a paper saying that this category, this observation, which was really more of a description than a prescription, should be declared non-operative in our day and all men and women should be considered equally obligated, all Jews, um, and not uh, have these exclusions. Uh, it's, an, it's an important point. I agree with her. I voted for her paper, uh, and yet we do have a little bit of work to do because, after all, uh, rabbis, even uh, prominent rabbis, uh, don't necessarily get to change the minds of the people overnight, and many people have grown up uh, thinking that women are uh, not required to participate in certain mitzvot such as wearing uh, tefillin. And so um, I, like many others, believe that while this is true in principle, it will require a period of education um, to re-examine uh, this policy and to say that women should be encouraged to wear tefillin, to pray at the established times, and, um, and to treat uh, Jewish ritual not only as a right but also as an obligation even in this text, uh, they say, I might have thought, riyah, riyah we might have thought that just like the mitzvah of HaKel, uh, which is the, uh, the seven, every seven years gathering of all of Israel, including the women, to hear the words of the Torah, was inclusive, so too um, every festival, including the three times a year, should be inclusive. And they said, no, we're going to exclude, that's why the Torah says the word Um, uh, to exclude uh, the women. Now this page of Gemara will continue on the second side with a a string of verses uh, which when certain rabbis would get to that verse they would start to weep and uh, we'll talk more about those tomorrow. But I'd like to associate that idea um, with certain passages of the rabbis themselves. So the expression here in the Gemara is key for Rabbi So and So, kimate la haykra When he got to this verse, he would weep. Uh, I think that as we read these passages uh, in the Gemara, in which uh, people who don't fit in because of their gender, the, such as the tumtum and the androgynous, or women, half of Israel, who uh, don't fit into this status of obligation that the rabbis uh, understood or perhaps even invented, um, are excluded and. For centuries and millennia, this has led to a sort of two-tier system and a second, uh, second-class citizenship uh, in our people. Uh, when I get to passages like this, uh, I think that it's 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 appropriate to pause and even to cry and to say that He would that we had gone a slightly different way and that we had, from the outset, um, used hakel, the, the mitzvah of gathering all the people Israel to hear the words of Torah, men, women, and children, as our ideal um, for all rituals, so that we would truly be one people uh, in the land, Am Israel your people Israel, uh, all together, uh, regardless of gender, um, throughout the land. So that's a covenant that I'd like to conclude our study of Chate Chagiga uh, Daftalad on, and I look forward to continuing in Daf Hay together with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.